Proverbs chapter 23. I know everybody's tired. So am I. This is more, there's more to this and maybe, I don't know, we'll see how this goes and might follow up next week with some more. There's a lot more that needs to be said than what I'm going to say tonight. Can't say it all in one message, but it is an important thing. And you know, that's what I try to preach is practical, helpful things that if you'd listen, it would help you so much in your life. It's to me as well as it is to you. I need this just as much as you need this. So, if you don't listen, I'm preaching to myself. It'll help me. Sorry, help me. Just getting it. You can take it or leave it. It's up to you. It's your loss or your gain. And uh, the Lord provides these things for us, I believe, to help us. Proverbs 20, uh, 23, read the first three verses. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. And that could be a woman too, or a child. Yeah. Man, that includes everybody. Uh, be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. I'm going to talk about your appetite will kill you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 and verses 8 and 9, it's the same principle here, the same idea, the same thought that he's teaching here. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. So it's very important about this thing of our appetite and having control of it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27, he said, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. But I keep under my body. I keep my body under. I keep control of my body, my appetites. That's what he said. Philippians, one more verse. Philippians 3.19 Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. So, Appetite and desire. They're two words that we need to consider. Now, appetite speaks more toward a desire of the flesh for gratification, either of the body or the mind. Appetite. We think of food. We think of other things you have an appetite for. It's something you desire in order to gratify your desire, the desire of your flesh. The lust of your flesh. Now there are natural appetites and there are artificial appetites. They can't put this in a machine. They can't make a robot that has desires. It's impossible. It's a part of life. It's a part of the life that God put in us. If you're alive, you desire. Now when you're dead, 
that body ain't desiring a thing because it's you know there's nothing in that body anymore. The soul, the spirit, is gone. Bible talks about the lust of the heart. All those things proceed, evil things proceed and come forth from the heart and they come out of your mouth and that's what defiles a man. There's natural appetites. God gave them to us. They're right. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing sinful about being hungry, wanting something to eat. There's nothing sinful about enjoying something to eat. God made it that way. I'm getting ahead of myself. But God made it that way. We don't eat dog food. You know, or cat food. We eat food, and it's good, and we cook it, and some of it we eat raw, and some of it's good raw, but it's pleasant. It's a pleasant experience for us. I don't know anybody that just hates eating, and they just hate everything and don't want to eat nothing. No, there's a desire there, a desire. So there's natural appetites and there's artificial appetites. Having an appetite for food and drink is a natural appetite. Having a desire for tobacco and alcohol and drugs or anything that's not life-sustaining and beneficial to the body or mind is an artificial appetite. It's something that you have developed yourself from looking and gazing and listening and being persuaded that's how it happens. God gave us natural desires and they're not sinful in themselves, but temptation to sin always involves our natural desires. Think about that. He appeals to our natural desires to lead us into sin. All sin is that way. The desire may not be wrong. The basic desire. But he always tempts us and entices us to fulfill that desire outside of the law of God, the will of God, the bounds that God meant for it to operate in. Find me a sin that doesn't fit that description. That's exactly how it works. The first sin on earth happened when Eve developed an appetite for that which God said would bring sure and certain death. And she developed an appetite for it. Genesis 3 verse 6. And when the woman saw. She hadn't been looking. She wouldn't have saw it. Somebody directed her attention to it. Didn't he? Yes, he did. That's how he gets you too. That's how he gets us every time. Every time, every time. He gets us to looking. Either with our eyes or in our mind. Thinking about it. Thinking about what we've seen. Some image in our mind. When a woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired. See there? A tree to be desired. Why? She didn't have a desire for that tree until the devil came along and said, Look over here. That's good. Look how good it looks. Look... Imagine how good it'll taste. And here's what it'll do for you. It'll make you wise. It'll make you as gods. It'll open your eyes to some things. So she looked again. Isn't that what you do? Yep. So she looked again. And a tree to be desired. She saw that it was something to be desired. 
Other people, that's the way it is now. See, other people desire. So that's why we, we all follow like cattle. That's why there's fads and fashions and all of that stuff. That's why everybody's tattooed now and everybody's pierced all over and everybody's uh, dressing like they do. That's why everybody's acting like they do. That's why there's transgenders and transsexuals and drag queens and everything else. It's just uh, people follow. Is that to be desired? Well, that's what everybody's saying. And since there's so many that do desire it, other people who don't desire it start looking and considering. And it's, that's why it's contagious, like a disease. That's the thing about it. It's the curiosity, the interest that's aroused because everybody else seems to want it. Everybody else seems to like it. Drugs, alcohol. Why would anybody do that? Why would you begin smoking? When you know, when all that we know about it, that it does for you. And then on top of that, that it costs four or five dollars a pack for them now. What? I mean, that's dumb right there. That's enough for me to say, whoa, no, no, no. Oh, but the pressure, it's to be desired. Because everybody else desires it. So many others desire it. Am I missing something? Am I missing out on some pleasure? That other people have, that's how he's, dra- that's how he's dragged everybody into all of these vices and drugs and alcohol and mess all through the years and he'll get you too. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. That's all it took when she saw that it was to be desired. And if she had not went where the tree was and gazed upon it while the devil whispered in her ear, she wouldn't have desired to eat of it. Are you listening to me? Don't go there. You don't have desires that you will have when you go there. I can put it as a simple illustration as this. I tell people all the time, don't go to the store. If you want to keep your money, don't go to the store. Stay off of Amazon. <laughs> Quit looking. Because <clears throat> when you go there, what's going to happen? You're going to find something you want. Now, you didn't even know you wanted it until you went there and saw it. Right. And then you saw that it was a thing to be desired. Right, yes, sir. To make life easy for you, to make life better, to make you wiser, to make you healthier. Some reason it was good for you and it was to be desired. It was a good thing to want that because it was something you needed. So our desires can be manipulated and directed by outside influences. This is important stuff. Yes, sir. Do you realize that this world around you and the devil can make you want things that you don't want? Where'd all these sodomites come from? They weren't born that way. Don't you tell me that stuff. (laughs) Somebody put a desire. Somebody influenced their desires and their appetites till it's an unnatural affection. 
What do they say? It's all about love. It ain't about love. It's about their lust and their unnatural desires. So, there's not anything new or unknown about this. This is not something new that I'm trying to teach you tonight. It's the foundation of all advertising and all schemes of lucre-loving promoters of vice and evil since the beginning of the world. They do it for filthy lucre's sake. They do it to make money. I was telling these kids the other day, they found some money. And I said, do you know that the love of money is the root of all evil? How many of you know that? The love of money is the root of all evil. So for money, they'll do anything in the world to make you want what they're selling. They legalize pot now. What's that about? Money! Is it about people's freedom? Is it for the betterment of our society? Is it going to improve things for everybody? No, it's going to fill some dirty, low-down gangsters and politicians' pockets full of money and destroy lives and families and and in the process, just like the booze does and has forever. And it's all, you can track it right back to somebody's making money off of it. It's like the COVID, all of that. What was that all about? Money and control. The drug companies got filthy, filthy rich off of it. And so did a lot of other people and a lot of politicians. While thousands of people died. And and thousands more had their lives ruined. And all the suffering wrecked the economy, wrecked the whole world, so some greedy devils could get their pockets full of money. And they are after you. And they're after your children. Wake up. They're selling it to your children. They're after your children's appetites and desires. They aim to put desires in your children for the things they have. And you at the same time. So knowing this fact and having this understanding, we ought to take up arms against whatever would affect our appetites and desires. Now the scripture we read to start with, you know, when thou sittest to eat with a ruler, and it's not talking about a 12-inch measuring stick. (laughs) It's talking about some big shot. When you get to sit with somebody important, and you get to eat with them. Boy, you better be considered diligently what you, what you do there. And put a knife to your throat because you are in great danger. Your soul is in great danger right now. You, you eat as if there is a knife to your throat. You're going to eat slow. If, you, if there's a knife to your throat, you're going to do it slow. And you're going to be very careful. Realizing this thing can kill me. That's how danger, that's how much danger you're in. Now that's the Bible. That's not me making something up. Why does he say that? If I be a man given to appetite, put a knife to your throat. You go in there and just say, Woo, look at all of this. It's all mine. And I can eat all I want and I can have whatever I want. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get it too. 
To be ungoverned in our appetites is to be ungoverned in our soul and spirit. Don't tell me that somebody who has no control over any of their physical appetites has control over their spirit and their soul. That is not true. Cannot be true. You can't have it that way. If you have no control over your carnal appetites, you're carnal. That's as simple as it can be. You know what, I, you know what carnal means? I've told you and told you. i preached to you for years. What's the first definition of carnal? Unregenerate. Look in the dictionary. That's all you got to do. That's what it means. You either walk after the flesh or you walk after the spirit. Not both. It's either or. So if you walk after the flesh and you have, that, you have no control over your appetite, you're walking after the flesh. That's as simple as I know how to put it. If we can't control our appetites we have, and we have no stops there, it's a very strong indication that we have no stops when it comes to other moral issues. That's right. <laughs> that's, the, that's the gist of this whole thing. If we can't control our appetite at the table, we're not going to control our appetite in other places. To live godly and to be holy in this present world is to exercise our appetites and desires within the bounds that God made them for. You know, having control over our appetites and desires is part of our submission to God as the Lord of our life. God says not to do this and we just ignore what He says. What do they call Jesus? A glutton and a drunkard. Can you imagine a bunch of gluttons and drunkards called the Lord Jesus Christ a glutton and a drunkard? <laughs> so we ought to be very careful about this. It's part of our testimony. Ain't it? Yes, sir. That's right. You have any problem with a preacher that weighs 400 pounds? Yes, sir. I do. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. I know quite a few of them. Mm -hmm. They come in pairs. They, their wife's always the same. Mm -hmm. yep. They got to have a van to get around because a car won't haul them. <laughs> now, I'm sorry. That's true. I don't... I have trouble with that. It speaks of something much more wrong than, than a, you know, if they were, if you caught them with whiskey in their car, everybody would go, oh, oh my goodness. I guess they would. I don't know. Maybe that wouldn't surprise people anymore either. But take them weigh 500 pounds. I, I've known preachers weighed 500 plus pounds. You get up and preach. Maybe I shouldn't dwell here, but I mean, I've, I've seen preachers that were so fat they couldn't even tell what was going on. They'd spill stuff all over them. And, you know, brother, I want to tell me about that preacher at the camp meeting that was eating spaghetti and talking at the same time. He got his tie caught in the fork and wrapped his tie up with his spaghetti. And then, <laughs> to show no restraint in any matter of fleshly indulgence is to show a great lack of moral character. It's a lack of moral character. Preacher told me one time, he said, you watch these people that are way overweight 
And then when they lose a bunch of weight, he said they'll get immoral just about every time. I've watched it. It's true. It goes with the territory. Because a lot of people stop eating not for the right reason. They, you know, that's the thing now that's a fad in the world. You know, and that's the world don't have any wisdom. Don't go after the world's wisdom. Our appetites that are natural ought to be under the control of God and His Spirit in us, not done away with completely or replaced with another appetite for being... And see, a lot of people that are way overweight and they lose weight, they do it for their pride. They do it to improve their popularity, their uh, sex appeal, whatever you want to... That's the reasons they do it. And that's why they end up in immorality. Because that was their goal. They wanted that bad enough to stop eating. They had an appetite for that that outweighed the appetite for food. That's why they went that way. So it also shows an enslavement to carnal appetites, which the Scripture clearly states to be an unregenerate state. Romans 8, 6, and 7, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Sounds a lot better to me. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. So how can you be a carnal Christian? Somebody explain that to me real quick now. To be carnally minded is enmity with God. You are an enemy of God. But you can be a carnal Christian. They're preaching that in all the Baptist churches everywhere. Not here. Ain't no such a thing. Cannot be. Billy Mitchell... That's a preacher I knew. He preached on the radio for years and years. He said if there's a carnal Christian, there's got to be a heavenly devil somewhere. Same difference. I'm not the only one that ever said this or believes this. An unrestrained appetite will lead to unnatural desires because it cannot be satisfied. When it's unrestrained, it cannot be satisfied. Can your appetite be satisfied? Can you just eat enough and say, well, that's enough? Or do you have to eat until you're sick? We had, I remember years and years ago, plumb out there at Shady Nook, we had a deal one time, I don't know what we were doing, it was some kind of, we had a bunch of kids there, but there was this one little old boy and he was fat, and he ate until he couldn't hold no more. And then he went out behind the church and gagged himself so he'd throw up so he could come back and eat some more. He's dead now. Way younger than me. I mean, he was a kid then, and I was. Well, you think about that. Is that an appetite out of control? Well, yeah. Why do you eat for the pleasure of it, or do you are you just thankful that eating is a pleasure, and you eat to to because you got to, and then you stop. Do you ever get satisfied or is it never satisfied? I've sat at a table with people more than once and while they're eating breakfast, they say, what are we having for dinner? (laughs) Well, that speaks of something that's not the way it's supposed to be. 
How much time does everybody now think about eating? Well, now think about that. Just think about that. It's what's on people's minds most of the time. Unless you are involved in something that is that's so busy and you're so occupied with that you don't think about eating. And there ain't very many people like that. No. Most people are thinking, it's 1030. <laughs> what are we going to do? Got to have dinner here. I mean, you know, what are we going to eat? Going to have any supper? Going to have any dinner? What do you want? Where do you want to go? <laughs> McDonald's or is it going to be Hardee's or Arby's or Dairy Queen or what other place you want to go to? Eat fake meat and <laughs> greasy food with germs in it. Yeah. <laughs> the doorway into that. What way? I missed the thing here. An unrestrained appetite will lead to unnatural desires and an appetite for things that are increasingly unclean and more ungodly. That is true. And I'm not talking about just an appetite for food. I'm talking about our appetite, our desires for things and for the mind or for the body. You'll, you'll continue, if you turn it loose, it'll take you right down the road to uncleanness and ungodliness. Read Romans chapter 1. That's what the appetites do for you if they're not restrained. And and without God, you're just not going to restrain. And the only way you will is if you have an appetite for something else that overrides this appetite. That's what I was talking about a while ago. See, Proverbs 23, verse 3 there. The doorway into that way of death is described repeatedly in the Bible as dainties. Dainties. So in verse 3, he says, Be not desirous... Of the of his dainties, <laughs> for they are deceitful meat. All right, now I wonder how many people know what dainties are. Yeah. Little Debbies. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. Banana splits. Upside down pineapple coconut cream with cherries on top. Dainties. It means. Nice, pleasing to the palate, of exquisite taste, delicious as dainty food. The Bible says it's deceitful meat. Oh my goodness, he's preaching against dessert now. Well, are you going to listen to me? Maybe you will if you think that's what I'm doing. Proverbs, uh, Psalm 141 verse 4. Incline not my heart to any evil thing. Now, is that a good way to pray? I believe it is. To practice wicked works with men that work iniquity. Boy, that's, that's a way to pray so far. And let me not eat of their dainties. How is it that the devil gets us off the track? Is it with beans and taters? Is that what he tempts us with? I'm now I'm talking I'm talking food, but I'm implying many other things. Do you understand? Yes. We're talking about appetite, not just appetite for food. But food is the 
the matter that God used as the foundational cover it all. You can watch how somebody eats and you can figure out a whole lot about them. You can watch yourself. You can check yourself and how you eat and what you eat and what you desire and how much you desire it. You can figure out a lot about yourselves. It's not that we're not to enjoy our food or that we're not to ever have anything that tastes extra good or rich or sweet. It's not that at all. God made it so that our food tastes good and is not disgusting. <laughs> what if we just went to the store and bought a bag of food like dog food, but it's people food, and we just, here's your bowl of food. Yeah. What if every day it was just a bowl of gruel that you ate with your hands? You know. It's not. I'm glad it's not that way. So he gave, God made it so that our food tastes good. He did. Everything God made is good. Just think of all the things, the fruit, the vegetables. Some guys don't like vegetables. Well, I do. I'd rather have them than anything. Just cook them. I don't care for them raw too much. <laughs> Cook the daylights out of them. The more you cook them, the better they are. That's right. When you got, them, got some left, then put them all in a pot and cook it some more. And it's even better that time. It's called soup. He meant it for, he meant for it to be a pleasure. That's the way God designed this whole thing. He meant for our food to be a pleasure, a pleasurable experience. So we're not saying that tonight, that, boy, we're more godly if we just eat, I mean, rice and, and just make it taste bad so we don't eat too much. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you got to understand the point of this here tonight. There is a great danger in, that is first manifested or noticed at the table. If a person can't control himself there, he'll not control his other appetites. And he'll easily be enticed to unnatural desires. Because you're never satisfied. That person's never satisfied. When you quit controlling your appetites, that's where the dainties come in. It gives you something better. And then, then there's bound to be something better. You just keep going and going and going. Y'all understand? That's why you see all these recipes and stuff. And every time you see a new recipe, they put this picture of this. Oh my goodness. Look at that. Boy, don't that look good? How many of you have said that? We got to try this. That's what's happening here. Is that sinful? No, but it's uh, there's a danger there. Watch your appetites. You got to keep control of them and not let them control you. When life just becomes about eating and snacking and constantly looking for something else to eat, what are what what are we better than the old hound dog that's just running around looking for anything he can find to eat? Right. We're living by the same standards of life and morals as he is. 
Sounds terrible, don't it? Mm-hmm. Reckon that's true? Yes. Then why, if it's not true, then why is this in the Bible so much? This, uh, this, this world is full of enticement to unnatural and wicked desires. And these children that we've got here, they're vulnerable. They're as vulnerable to them as we allow them to be. We can do a lot to influence what the children desire and the appetites they have. I hope you'll listen to me here. I'm trying to hurry. Did you hear me a while ago when I pointed out that outside influences can manipulate and create desires in you that weren't there naturally? Create unnatural desires. Do you know the devil can do that to your kids right under your nose? He can use you to help him do that. By influencing you to expose them to influences that look innocent. And seem innocent. Yes. TV, yeah, yeah, movies, big Disney, biggest. Pro, uh, what's the word? Propagator of witches and demons and ungodliness has come along in this century, probably. Yeah. You gonna? I've, I asked that question several years ago when they started having that stuff in their Disney movies. Now, where are you going to draw the line, Christian, you Disney Christians? Where are you going to draw the line now? Are you ever going to draw the line? Or are you going to sit there and let your kids watch homosexuals in Disney cartoons and movies? You've lost your moorings if you do. Should have drew the line way back there. Be careful what you allow them to be introduced to. They will develop an appetite for it. You say, what's wrong with watching this or watching that? You're, you cre- Here's the thing. You create an appetite in them. You, you wet their appetite. They get a taste of that dainty. And they like it. And they want more. And you say, no more. No more. Well, you know what they're going to do when your back's turned? They're going to sneak one. Yes. Don't they do that? Children do that. Grown-up people do that. They're going to have what they want because their appetite's not controlled, not governed. They're the, they're the master of their ship. So, someday, you may be able to trace the beginning of their darkened mind and soul to that thing you introduced them to. Yes. Think about that. There's nothing more disgusting and degrading than watching someone who can't control their appetite. That's true. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Remember that time Seth used behind that girl in line at some church deal we was at and there was watermelon there and she just took the whole heart out of the watermelon and put it in her plate. Left all the seeds and everything for everybody else. Remember that? If it's at the table, we all look on with disgust at someone who never misses an opportunity to eat. (laughs) Oh my. I know around here, now there was some, some of them's gone on now, but there was people 
who would show up if you were having to eat at church. They showed up. Yes, sir. They didn't all. They didn't go there, but uh, if you, they knew you were having something to eat, they'd show up. <laughs> if you watch somebody eating, that's just well. We say, <laughs> here we go. We say they eat like a hog. Yeah. Yeah. They're just devouring it, smacking and slopping it all over themselves and they're so ravenous just like a hungry dog or something. It's ugly, ain't it? It's very unbecoming. What if it's a preacher? What if it's somebody that's known as a Christian? That's pretty bad, isn't it? We look on that and say, what do lost people look on that and think? Does it impress them? Oh, it impresses them, but the wrong way. They think, what a joke is that? So if it's at the table, we look at them and, and, you know, if they want to be the first in line and they grab the best for themselves before anybody else, you know, that's, that's offensive. It's disgusting. It is an example of what I'm trying to get across to you tonight in real life. You understand it when you see it in real life. You understand that it's wrong. There's something wrong with that. No control. Total selfishness and self-indulgence and self-serving. If it is other desires besides food that a person is given to, we're also disgusted with them like drugs and alcohol and chewing and spitting everywhere and, you know, smoking the place up, blowing smoke all over you. You know, their filthy mouth, all that kind of stuff. That's, we look on that with disgust. You know, why you can quit drinking by one simple thing. Quit putting the bottle to your mouth. You don't understand. It's an addiction. Well, you, you quit it the same way you started it. Yeah. You put the bottle to your mouth, and that's how you got addicted, or the weed, and to stop it, you just got to stop doing that. Yeah, it's going to be hard. But you're given to appetite. Put a knife to your throat. Realize it's going to kill you. If you don't stop it, it's going to take everything away from you that you care about. And then it's going to kill you. And maybe kill some other people in the process. Put a knife to your throat. Get it out of your mouth. So we look at them and we say... Why do you do that? We don't sympathize with an, with them because they're totally indulging themselves. We don't. I don't care. You know, you just don't. If it's an immoral desires, if it's immoral desires that they're given over to and will not control their appetite, we put them in prison. So we are against this. You know, just not ourselves when we're feasting. <laughs> Somehow we we just disconnect there and chow down. And all of these things start at the same place, and that is a lack of control of natural desires. When I was young, I smoked. And by the time I got ready to quit in ten years or so after I started, it was very difficult. But you want to know what finally came? It came to the point that, that I 
was able to say, oh no. When I realized, I remember realizing this thing has got me enslaved. This thing is commanding me. And I said, oh no, this this is not going to proceed any farther. I'll not be controlled by that. And I stopped. You got to look at it as the enemy and quit just cowing before it. Your appetite, and and if something else has got control of it, and you've lost control of it, you need to you need to armor up. You need to man up and fight. That's what you got to do. You got to look at it that way. It's the enemy, and I'm going to die. It's going to kill me eventually if I don't. So it's very important in the training of children to teach them to control their appetites and desires and to realize that when they're, when they're being tempted to develop a desire for something outside the will of God and His design force, realize it when they're being tempted to develop this desire. Watch them! What are they after? What do they want? What is their desires? They'll talk about them. They'll let you know. Assess that. Is that really the... the, Where is it going to go from there? Where does that desire lead to? What do you think the Bible is talking about when it says train up a child in the way he should go? When he's old he'll not depart from it. What do you think it's talking about? What is the way he should go? Not after his appetites. In the way that one desire leads to another desire that leads to God. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? He'll give us the desires of our heart. I thought about this the other day, and I mentioned it Sunday, how that, you know, we were listening to some music, and I, th- I told her, I said, there was a time I wouldn't have, I'd have turned that off right now. And now, I like that. I desire that. It's pleasant to me. God changed my desires. That's all there is. My desires were changed. I had an unnatural desire. I believe a desire for the right kind of music is a natural desire. I believe a desire for the wrong kind of music is an unnatural desire. It's a taste that we develop under the influence of peers and advertisements and just being around it. Until it grows on you. All right, let me hurry here. Uh, and that's as important for us, all of us, as it is for the children. Be careful about the desires that we develop and the appetites. It's a very difficult challenge in a world that promotes self-indulgence to the extreme. It's almost considered abuse now if we deny a child anything he wants. Or anyone for that matter. We all just get what we want. We eat what we want. We get what we want. We buy what we want. We don't do without. Do we? So in a world like that, and in an atmosphere like that, and after we've been conditioned to this, it's hard to preach. You know, moderation. Temperance. The warning here is to put a knife to our throat. This means to realize the danger of allowing our appetite to rule us. Y'all hear me. And we're just about done. Please listen. 
It's realize the danger of allowing our appetite to rule us. Eat as if you have a knife to your throat. And realize this, that every trap and every snare the devil or men have relies on the lack of control of a carnal appetite. Why does that animal go in that trap, White? You got bait in there. You got something in there he wants. And he'll he'll risk his life for it. He'll go in there after it knowing something's wrong. And you got him. That's why the devil is able to take us captive at his will. The, uh, the world he's talking about. People without God. He, he's able to take them captive at his will. And in the snare of the devil. Realize that. That's how you end up in the devil's trap. You don't have control of your appetite. You see it. You want it. You take it. You see it. You want it. You take it. Starts at the table. Get a hold of that thing. Mm -hmm. Then you'll be conditioned and able, more able to practice the same thing in other desires that that are dangerous. Be very careful that the dainties cultivate a habit of 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 moderation and restraint. You got to cultivate that habit instead of a habit of indulgence. Just see it, eat it. (laughs) How many people are like that? I mean, I'm telling you, if we put a a, you know a candy bar in there on the cabinet, I wonder how long it'd stay there tonight after the service. I wonder. Reckon it'd be safe. Say now after you preach that, half half of you ain't listening. Half of you ain't listening, so you don't know what I'm saying. We can put a candy bar back there and trap you. Okay. Cultivate a habit of moderation. Just, you know, back up. Push away. Eat so much as, has thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee. Yeah. Yeah. Let's eat it and, well, like the kids say, barf. You know, that's what the kids say. Don't, don't make yourself sick with it. Alright, I'm right here done. Now, be careful that the dainties of this world, whether food, drink, entertainment, fashion, fad, comfort, ease, pleasure, dainties of the world, be careful they don't draw you into the snare of chasing after carnal or mental satisfaction both of them some people starve themselves to death and indulge their mind in all and whatever nonsense that comes yes, along that's just think of it every drunkard started with one drink every drug addict started with one hit or snort or pill and every person who is unrestrained in their morals started by crossing that threshold one time and after that it just didn't matter anymore Think about that. One time. Is it really that critical? Yep, sure is. I've read and heard them say it. Meth, they try it thinking they're just going to try it one time. And meth gets you the first time. 
you, you, you've had it. You can't get loose from it. That's the way the devil is. That's why he'll tell you that fornication won't hurt you and a little drink won't hurt you and trying a joint won't hurt you. I mean, you just want to know what it's like. He's lying to you. Same as he lied to Eve. All he had to get her to do was just take that fruit one time. So start with the basic natural desires that God gave us and arm yourself against them lest they take control of you and enslave you. Alright, amen. Done. For now. Like I said, there's a lot more that needs to be said about this. We can't say it all one time. Well, I'll say something. Um, you know, only being 19 years old, my family knows that I struggled with my weight for, for quite a while from childhood. And, you know, I've always been the kind of person that if one is good, two is better. And you know, the indulgent spirit of like, you know, just seeing someone just eating it, you know, and just being obsessed with eating food all the time. Uh, it led into other sins in my life that I allowed. And, you know, you think that you can get control of it with, you know, by yourself and that you can like, you know, survive. And, you know, it nearly took me out. And if I wouldn't have surrendered my life to God when I did, I don't really know where I'd be now at this point. Because... I truly give all the credit to God of why I was able to even get myself under control with my weight and everything because it truly is a, a battle daily for me of just, you know, keeping my mind in check and not being indulgent in all those ways, even when it comes to something like food, of uh, cherishing it for something that gives me life instead of it just being something that I, I can't get enough of because mm-hmm. I can go easily very right back to it if I let myself do that. And it's something that I have to, I, I give God the credit for that, of just helping me be able to have the strength to even conquer that in myself. Mm-hmm. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. We talk about music, you know, bad music. If it's in, in your mind, you know, I'm, I'm full of it because I was full of it. All of us are. And... And if I go somewhere and hear a song, sometimes one note is all it takes. There it is. Well, how do I stop it? I mean, there it goes. It's playing in my head. Now, how do I stop it? Do I just say, stop, stop. I'm going to quit thinking about that. I can't think about that. I'm not going to think about that song. And it's just playing right along. What do you got to do? You replace it. That's why you set your affection on things above. What does it say about some people? They'll... That because they have another desire, they develop another appetite that's greater than this one, so they leave that one to get that one. So that's that. You know, when you, God's the only thing. The desire of Israel, you know, yeah, He's our greatest desire. If you, if you desire God and put set your affection on Him, if you love the Lord thy God with all thy strength, heart, mind, soul, strength, and I mean those appetites will be under control because you love Him more than you love any of, anything you are being tempted toward. Remember God. That, see, that's, that'll work at the table too. You just want to be pleasing to God. You know, Jim Tice, you know, he, I never knew him when he was like this, but the preacher told me he weighed over 350 pounds. 
And uh, one day he told the preacher, he said, I, I, this ain't right. He said, I cannot be right with God and be like this. So he lost all that weight and never gained it back. I mean, he was right. He was right. He didn't, uh, you know, that didn't become his God. He just realized that what I'm doing is not right. And this is bad for my testimony and it's a shameful thing before God. And well, you, Your body is a temple. Mm-hmm. Doing that, it wears your body down you know, a lot faster. <clears throat> and I feel like, you know, I was 16 and I weighed as much as I did and I was in so much pain all the time and it was because I was way overweight. And something that I realize is that when I become indulgent again with food and things, I start looking around and I see other things that I've, started, you know, partaking in and letting back in, you know, because of just letting my walls down. Yep. And, you know, I really have to keep a close walk with God in that to keep myself in check because I I can't, I know that about myself that I can be, you know, indulgent in things and you have to recognize it in order to begin fixing it. Alrighty. Amen. Alright, let's have a word of prayer and we'll go home. Father, thank You for the blessings of allowing us to be together here tonight. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the instruction in righteousness, Lord. Help us all to receive it, including myself. Help me to practice what I preached here tonight in my own life. Help us to get control of these appetites and not let them control us. It's the devil's doorway into our life and soul. It's the path to ruination for every life. Please help us, Lord, with your help. Be guided by the Spirit of God and uh, and to live holy, uh, moderate lives in moderation in all things in, in your sight. Please watch over us as we go home tonight. Please watch over Matt out there and pray the others. Help us tomorrow with all the traveling. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. And helping us in these things in Jesus' name. Amen.